0: Hello everybody, welcome to episode 49 of In The Zone, I'm Giancarlo Alino, joined here again with Chris Martelli, Anthony Piniello. Uh, we're going to start off with the rink this week because uh, all the RFAs we were talking about last week, as soon as our podcast ends, what do they do? They all sign the damn contract, they cash in big. Uh, which contract stood out to you most and uh, who? which team got the biggest bargain?
1: Uh, without a question, I'll say Braden Point was the biggest bargain 90 points last year 22 years old he can do it for the next decade and guess what he is the third or fourth highest paid player on that team there's not one player on that team that's getting over 10 mil for some reason i don't know how uh i don't know how they have cooch under 10 stamkos under nine it's just a mystery to me but i hope Braden point proves his team wrong
2: because i think he should have gotten way more than what he got without a doubt in my mind Patrick Line. because no one has any idea what he is and he can come out this year and score 50 goals and get like 20 assists and be like oh there's the Laine we know and then you look at his contract and you see not even 7 million because there's so many red flags from last year he can just do what he did the first two years and then prove to everyone that he is that goal scorer that everyone thought that he was coming into his first year so I think it's Line. You know what? I just think with Lione's contract, there's a huge
0: red flag because it's a two-year deal, and everyone knows after the first year, that July, when you have one year left, you're allowed to negotiate an extension. And what's he going to do after he scores like 50 goals probably this year? He's going to want the max, and then they're going to have a dispute, and he'll probably say trade me. His cat-friendly <laughs> contract's going to go to a contender, and he'll sign his long-term wherever he wants.
2: It's a business. It's just
0: yeah. you know, it's it's the way it is. It's like Winnipeg. Uh, it's uh, if it's anywhere else it's okay, but <laughs>
1: yeah. So are you happy to be here? Yeah, but you know if no, don't what what? <laughs> I'm 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 a, I'm a Winnipeg reporter, you're supposed to say you love it here. Just say yes. Just no, say watch. yeah, just yeah. No. Yeah, I don't know. I think Liney's contract's great, but yeah, 2 years at 6.75 is a risk because For those 2 years that's why it's great. <laughs> I think it's great right now. For Winnipeg, if line it comes in this season you know fresh gets 50 or 40 whatever but again like i agree with with alino here next year he's probably going to ask for like 10 and a half maybe more and i guarantee you just based off of what happened this summer unless he completely changes as an individual which i hope he does um if he doesn't continue to grow as a person i don't see shovel day off saying yeah we're gonna give you 11 for eight years sorry man hit the road so I don't know. I, I, I really want to say Line 8 stays because Bufflin, Truba Myers, this team has just crumbled all of a sudden. So they need all the offensive help they need. But Line 8 is just the biggest question mark going into this season for me. A lot of guys are saying, can he pull a Nylander and get like 30 points? No, I don't <laughs> think so. I don't think he has the capability to do that and the line mates. But – yeah, like you said before, you don't know what you're getting out of Line A this year. I really don't know. Like, is he going to get 30 goals? Is he going to get 18 in a month? Is he going to get 50? Is he going to get 60 goals? Like, you have no idea with Line A. So for now, I'll say it's a great deal, but I still think Braden Points is a little bit better. Just he's the center. He, like, if Stamkos goes down injury, we all know that Braden Point can bring 90 points, that two way game. He's even, well, he's such a great leader, too, Braden Point. He captain Team Canada, so. I'm still gonna stick with Braden being the the bargain deal there.
0: I like it. I like even Kachuk's deal. Nice and uh under the cap of what I thought he would be getting. <laughs> I, I feel like when that contract's up too, he's gonna to look at
1: Goudreau and Monahan's, and especially that's gonna be around the end of Goudreau and Monahan's contract. I think Kachuk is gonna he's gonna start a trend there in Calgary where it's like, you know what? I'm gonna want around nine and a half. And then we'll see what Goudreau and Monaghan want after that. Because I know for sure Kachuk will not be the most paid when all is said and done between the three because right now Goudreau and Monaghan have pretty great salaries when you look at it. I think they're out around like 6.25. And I think Giordano's getting just a, just north of a 7. So Kachuk will be the highest paid player when his contract is up. But Goudreau will follow right after that. So uh, yeah. I think it's a great contract, but again, the three year term to me, head scratcher.
2: I don't really know what to think with this. I think Kachuk though in today's NHL is one of the more unique players. So even if he were to request like nine and a half, ten mil, I wouldn't be I wouldn't shut him down right away because he does certain things that other players in the league like it's kinda gone from today's NHL and Kachuk can provide that. So if you told me he would be like top out of all the RFAs, like He's top three highest paid players out of that group. I would probably agree with that. I'd say I understand that. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's tough too. But again, when I talk about Matt Kachuk, it's just bad timing for Calgary's – like in five years, they're going to have the same problem the Leafs have just had. Like Goudreau's going to be up. Monaghan's going to be up. If Bennett picks up his game, I hope, and then you even have Kachuk. So they're going to be in cap hell too. And Kachuk is going to have to start the trend there in three years. He's going to have to be like, listen, I'm I'm a unique player. I hit. I get a lot of penalty minutes. I aggravate the other team's goalie, which no one really does anymore. The last person I remember to do that consistently was Sean Avery. He's not in the league anymore. So I do agree with Pinelli. He's very unique, but he's going to need to, he's going to ask a lot of money. And that's just what's going to happen. And um, I do believe that this guy is a long-term guy. I still don't understand why three years. Like, I don't know what the deal was going into that meeting. It's like, do we see you as a three-year cup leading guy? Or do we see you as like an eight-year franchise chugging? Like, you know, like, do people see him as a Landis Cog? As like, you could be a captain of your franchise and like one of the best wingers in the league. Or do you see him as like a temporary fit like oh yeah we'll sign Kishuk to three years we'll win a cup now and then bye so, I uh, yeah.
2: I actually I see him exactly as a Landis Cog. yeah just a little bit more skill because he does play at a pretty high pace it's
1: just the, it, the three-year deals for me are just I feel like the GMs are just in emergency mode and they really had no idea what to expect so I guess in three years time we're gonna have to see what they uh, what they think
2: Should they look at, like, a a cap relief for certain teams? Because it almost seems unfair that you do everything properly. You draft and develop, and then when the time comes, you have to let half the guys go because you can't afford them. I I guess that's the case because the league is getting younger, and if you're shit
1: for four years in a row and you draft unreal players every year, yeah, one of the the four is definitely going to have to go. So, yeah, I do agree with that. I think... Like, look what happened. Line A Ranton or uh, Line A Connor last year. We we saw Tavares, Matthews, and then we had Matthews, Marner. We even had Nylander. Riley is going to be coming up soon.
2: That's going to be there's interesting.
1: There's just there's just a, an abundance of players that are so good now on each team, and like, yeah, you need the cap help. Even like, look at uh,
2: look be at examples every year. Look yeah. at San Jose
1: <laughs> next year. Yeah, you're going to have Kevin LeBanc who just had a one. He's just signed a one mil deal. Like. Are, He's not going to do that every year. He's going to want, like, 5 mil next year. Hurdle's going to be up soon. There's just a bunch of guys. It's just it's a problem.
2: For teams that, like, draft and develop a player, there should be, like, a certain rule. Like, you get a certain amount off the cap or – you get what I'm trying to say? I do, yeah. It it seems cruel because you do everything perfect. Mm -hmm. And then just a couple years down the line, everything's ruined again.
1: Do you think that's going to happen
2: with teams like L.A. and Ottawa, like, down the line?
1: Cause it's it's yeah. I could already see it right now. They are, they just signed to eight mil a year. You have Branstrom now on the back end. You have Brady Kachuk, Colin White, Logan Brown, Drake Batherson's looking like a steal now. So he he's probably gonna want to ask for a little more. <laughs> like yeah, there's a lot of great players and they're gonna be asked for a lot of money. So I do agree with that. Even guys like Keeler Yamamoto, like you draft random guys. And they just turn out to be stars. Yeah. And then that's when you're scratching your head. It's like, damn, I didn't think he'd be this good. So now we're fucked with the cap. So, uh.
0: <laughs> Go the luxury tax route, like the NBA. And then you just see the Leafs every year. We'll go $30 million over the cap. No problem. Here's Rodgers and Bell's <laughs> signature. Give us uh, whoever we want. And then they go that route. But I don't think the NHL wants <laughs> to do that. Like, If you think about it, the top five teams going into this year are, have
1: all been in cap hell. Or will be in Capel. You have Tampa Bay The Leafs The Bruins are If it wasn't for McAvoy not playing They would be in Capel. Hell Torrey Krug is at UFA next year Don't expect him to sign I'm sorry I don't see that fit happening I don't see where the money's gonna come from So that's my opinion You also have to sign Jake DeBrus next year So Florida They have a lot of guys coming up What if Borgstrom pans out What if Tippett pans out you go Barkov's on a team-friendly deal as well. So, yeah, <laughs> and, and again, you look at Vegas. They just became an expansion team. Mark Stone, Carlson, all these guys, eventually, you're, you're scratching the surface.
2: How much salary cap room do you think they have in Vegas? Yeah, right now. Not a lot. Exactly. They're, they've been in the league two years, and they already have star-studded players, and they have a heated rivalry with San Jose. And, like, this team is... They're very weird. It's, they're already right there with everyone else. That's why we do need, I think,
1: a cap crunch. I think you need some sort of leverage, maybe with the tax, you could put it towards the salary cap. But it is going up every year. But I don't think Benman understands how quickly this game is elevating. Like, like the players that are coming into this league are just dominating mm-hmm. at a pace that we've never. Like we're talking about Elias Petterson last year getting like 70 points as a rookie. Two years ago, we saw the same thing with Matt Barzell. He barely made the team out of training camp. And then he plays the full season and he has more points than John Tavares. So it's like, what? when do we expect the rookies to start slowing down
2: if we do? You mentioned Ottawa before and all of those nice prospects and young players they have. They're a lock for last place. Mm -hmm. And they have all of those guys that they have to sign. So when you see that situation... Yeah, it really is a problem.
1: Yeah, so that's that's basically my takeaway for this. is like the RFAs, they're getting more expensive because they're just flat out better at an age where you never thought they would be this good. Like Braden Point, 23 years old, he's playing like a 30-year-old pro. He's basically playing like a Bergeron three, four years ago now. So I really have, that's all I really have to say about that. But other than that, I just want to talk about the Thomas Chabot extension. Because... Uh, I don't think enough teams do this. Do you agree?
0: Yeah, because like, you don't see that too often. When like, I came up with what <laughs> Chabot and Keller,
1: I hope this starts a trend because GMs like to wait the last second to sign someone. But when you see a franchise player right in front of your eyes, you want to sign them as soon as possible. So I applaud Arizona and Ottawa for doing that because Chabot and Keller are absolute studs for me. I think yeah, I think teams should be doing this
0: a little bit more often get it out of the way just get it out of the way (laughs) but then if they get too comfortable Uh when they see they have eight years then that becomes a problem i mean yeah if that if if attitude is definitely if you sign an
1: eight-year deal and you turn into an alex salmon and you don't want to play anymore (laughs) then that's on your conscience that's on you but uh like look at look at the islanders this year this is barzell's last year of his contract I I actually expected him to sign before the season started. I expected an extension, but I guess it has not worked out
2: yet. What do you think he wants? Like pretty similar money to what everyone else is getting. Oh, I think he's going to want more than what Point got. Yeah, he's want at least like at least like nine. I think Tampa's a little bit different just because everyone's kind of making a little bit less because of the situation over there. But didn't the Islanders just extend Jordan Eberle? And then they yeah. re-signed Anders Lee to long deals. 7 mil. So you look at their setup and you think, yeah, Barzell would easily sign with the Islanders and that's the future there. But even they're in like some, <laughs> they're in a few bad situations over there.
1: Yeah, they, they have bad contracts. Lad, Komarov. The Eberle
2: one is very weird to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why they to them it. Is that 5.8? It's more than what he got coming off his, one of his worst years.
1: Yeah, he had like 37 last
0: year. It was not he good. He should have won
2: somewhere else. I don't know why he wants to stay there. And now Lou Lamarillo is going to probably
0: sit down Barzell. Barzell's going to want 10. He's going to try and work him down to three. And I think they'll settle at six.
1: Also, before we completely forget, we forgot that this happened after the pod went off air. Justin Falk got traded to the St. Louis Blues, and then they extended him for seven long years. Do you agree with this move? Because
0: it's already 27 years old. I like it. He's yeah. 27, he'll be 34, no, actually 35 at the end of it because he's still, I think, another year left. So this year he's not going to be really making too much. Really kicks in next year, the big contract, but he's a great fit. I thought Shattenkirk, uh he's an, obviously an upgrade of him when they had him and Petrangelo, so now they'll have Petrangelo Falk. Then you have uh, Pareco slot
2: down, Bomeister. Good little team over there. <laughs> I'm not sure... Because I look at their defense and I see Petrangelo, Pareko, and Dunn, who in my opinion are all better than Justin Falk and should all be making more than him at some point. And the type of guy that Justin Falk is, he's very similar to like a Jake Gardner. So I think he's going to have, St. Louis Blues fans are going to have fits on certain nights with him. But he is a good player, and for the time being, what did you say? He was 27 years old. Do you like the contract though? 6.5. I think it's too much. Yeah. I think he's a good player and he's a nice top 4D. I think six and a half is too much though for him. They also have Cutter, Carl Gunnarsson. Yeah. <laughs> scored in the finals, yeah. didn't he? Yeah.
0: 2.9 million right there.
1: I just I just yeah, I agree with Piniello. I think I'm on more of the fence where I don't understand why they signed him seven years when you know you have Vince Dunn. You have Petrangelo, you have a couple others that are just a little bit better and even younger than Falk. So I don't know if this is just to be like a secondary offensive role. I guess now this means Pereiko's offensive role is basically diminished. It's gone almost because he was scratching to get even 40 points, Pareko, on like a top power play role. So now that's gone. You have Vince Dunn moving up, Petrangelo, you know, Vince, i think vince dunn could easily get 45 points i think he's finally emerged as that top four defenseman maybe even top pairing defenseman in in st louis but yeah the money for six and a half for what
0: you're getting out of justin falk i i don't like it at all they can trade jake allen this whole trade will look amazing <laughs> <laughs> but i just think allen's contract that four or five million that he has is gonna put them in cap hell. they'll have to make some tough decisions later
1: I just think they have a tough decision here to make. If he's making 6.5, you might have to put Justin Falk on the top power play. If you're paying him all that money, I would I guess I would just do it for the time being and then Vince Dunn could I guess take the secondary offensive role because he is, you know, he is a little more green, he's a little younger. But I still think that this guy uh, he needs uh, he needs another team. I don't like him on St. Louis, Justin Falk. I, when I saw the trade, I'm like, I don't know where I have this guy in the lineup. Like, is this guy like the? Is he with Perico? Is he with Edmondson on the fifth? Like on the last pairing, I have no idea where Justin Falk is. Don't put him with Petrangelo, please don't, because I think that's an absolute disaster. Player comparable, Jake Gardner, just like what Pinello said. It's gonna be it, for me. It's a head scratcher, but I guess we're gonna have to wait and yeah. see because he does have a cannon. Yeah, so. I think it's
0: more for like depth. Like they want to be like they're looking at Nashville, all the defenders they have, trying to just shore up the D, and then they already have their forward group. They have Tarasenko long term, so I think with their score already there, they're just trying to do some things. <clears> they <throat> yeah, have Bozak's contract, that pretty big deal there. Shen, Schwartz think right now they're seeing, okay, let's deal with it for now, and then in the future we'll cross that bridge when we get to it when you have to get rid of everyone.
1: <laughs> actually, before we go, one more D I want to talk about. He also got an extension. I don't know if it's worth it. This one's actually pretty bad for me. It's baffling too because they actually have a terrible contract on the back end. Jared Spurgeon. He signed a seven-year deal. He's 29 now. Seven-year deal at seven percent 575 with minnesota what are your thoughts on that because they already have a horrendous contract with ryan Souter on the back end
2: <laughs> uh a part of me is not surprised just because i know how much they love spurgeon uh they view him and Suter as like that top, that undisputed top pairing and no one's going to touch it over there but um the term is a little longer than i thought because he is 29 years old i'm guessing he wants to retire there off after that year but 7 mil a year, honestly... I Almost I, 8. Almost <laughs> 8. I think it's a little... Because, like, I'm trying to reach here. Because I like Spurgeon a lot, and I want to say that he's worth it. But I think it's just a little too out of his uh, his skill set. I think he's a top 4D on any team you put him on. In any situation you can put him in, he can he can flourish. But around 8 is... Might be a little too much. Especially with Dumba coming up. I mean, they still have Suter and Parise signed forever. Yeah.
1: I mean, I understand because he's coming off a 43-point year, the best of his career. But, like, before this, his cap was 5.1. So how do you jump 2.5? Like, come on. Like, I, don't, I don't really – I don't understand. And you have a guy like Dumba who's scratching it. Like, he's he's your number one. I don't care what anyone says. Dumba's your best defenseman on that team. I do not care what anyone says. He's probably – how much – he's getting what, 5.5 Dumba? He's had a pretty good contract, but fuck, 7.575 for Spurgeon. I don't know about that.
2: Well, I, was, I was telling you before. He's uh, a player,
1: though. I don't know yeah. much about him. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at and it's like his offensive game to me has never been consistent. But his defensive game, I guess, is solid. You would say it's solid. So Minnesota has a lot of money to throw around. And they've thrown around a lot of money. Like Stahl's getting, what, 3.8? Yeah, so, and he's he's been yeah. one of the best players on their team. Parise, awful contract. Suter, awful contract. Dubnik's contract is kind of like okay for now, but he's like 33 now. He's getting older.
2: Minnesota's in what, – what, what state is Minnesota in? I was just going to say like we were saying like a week ago. Are they wild are they? card? I don't think they are, but know. like they're one of those teams like – if they made it, you wouldn't be surprised. But if they missed the playoffs, you'd say, OK, like they're just kind just a limbo, right? Like yeah. fucking I viewed Carolina like that for the last 10 years and they never made the playoffs. And I'm like, oh, yeah, OK. And then they squeaked in this year and I'm like, oh, yeah, I see it. So that Minnesota, they're just another average team to me. But when you kind of look at it long term, if they, you know, they get Dumba locked up, hopefully. And then you have Spurgeon as their one, two. I, I think that's a great place to build.
1: Okay, so I'm reading here now that, yeah, it does look like he wants to retire here because there's a full no-movement clause for the seven years. So I guess that's it for Spurgeon. I think he's just going to be a Minnesota Wild for life, a lifer there, and that's basically it. But uh, we got to move forward now to uh, some – wait, what do we – the Leafs? Yeah, the Leafs. Yeah. Oh, man. Run through the roster. Let's just talk (laughs) about some of the – guys that are kind of on the fence for me and guys that I, I'm i not really so sure I'm on with this team. Like, Trevor Moore right now is slated on the third line. And I've been reading articles that this guy could break out. And I'm kind of, I want to say yes, but you know how many offensive weapons we have in front? And Trevor Moore to me is just not that, he doesn't have that role for me. Do you guys agree with me or do you think he could break out and what the hell is a breakout for Trevor Moore? I was just
2: going to ask, what's a breakout? But uh, Like 30 points? like 30 hits. <laughs> he's on the third. Who's he with? Kerfoot and, and Mikheyev um, or whatever. So that, that's still a fucking wild card because I haven't seen him play once. But yeah, um, yeah. you look at what they, they say good things about him. And then Kerfoot is uh, two years in the league. He's been a solid player. We saw a bit of Trevor Moore, and he's one of the best in the AHL last couple Deck of years. Dak Chara, Dak like Chara that. was solid for us in the playoffs. Oh yeah, I imagine that's going to be a pretty good line, and they'll get their chances. But for offensively, I don't, I don't really see anything more than thirty, thirty-five. But yeah. I think he'll be solid for us. Yeah, I just,
1: I love his journey because he went from being not even considered to now being a mainstay, and I love that. It's just, it's great to see, but. Alina, what are your thoughts with this Russian guy? I
0: haven't really heard much about him. Igor Korshkov on uh, the Marlies. Solid player. He's a big guy, big Russian guy. Just slips the hit, goes in the corners, gets points. I think down the road we'll be seeing a lot of him. But I think it's just one of those situations where you have to put him in the Marlies for a little bit and run with your roster. They don't have the salary of other teams where they can just take chances with him. So unfortunately for him, we're not going to really see him, but Mikhaev is another one that uh, jumps up. A lot of people have been seeing a lot of good things about him. Uh, so for me, it's wait and see. I think Korshkov like, showed more potential, but never know how he plays. I still don't see what people are the talking one, the about. The one
1: thing that I like about the Mikhaev player is that, thank God he's not Nikita Gusev. No. Because... Shepeshov last year, or or, oh my God, it was already two years ago. Shepeshov two years ago was so hyped coming over and then didn't play a game. So now it's Gusev's turn to come over and bring that hype train. And then soon it's going to be Kirill Kaprasov for Minnesota. He's been touted for years and now he's going to come over and it's, it's a wait-and-see game, so is Mikheyev going to be as good as... Because he's been touted for like months, and my cousin Steve just kept, keeps saying this guy's a mix of a Hyman and a Kapanen. He could go in the corners, he could get points, he could score. I just don't know what to expect from him. But another guy that I want to talk about, he just made the team, is Dimitro Timoshov. Yeah, I like him. Is he a mainstay, or is he going to potentially get called down?
0: I hope he's a mainstay. Him and Gauthier, when they were in uh, junior together, those guys tore it up. And uh, I think they're going to do that same thing. They On the Marlies, Timoshov was unbelievable, him and Bracco. Uh, now with Gauthier again on the Leafs, that chemistry works some magic. You got Spezza there too, slowing everything oh down. <laughs> Spezza. <laughs> I think this is going to be a great fourth line for them. I just think Timoshov though, they're going to... He's going to be in and out. I don't think he's going to be like playing every single night, but back-to-backs, so and then when a player gets hurt, there's going
2: to be his opportunity. I like it. Yeah, pretty much. I think you're going to see a collection of AHL players just come up and down every few weeks. So The guys that just missed the cut, I think you're you're going to see them all get NHL games in. Bracco, you know. I think Korshkov can get a few games in. For, I just want to say about Korshkov and the KHL, they do not play teenagers at all unless you're, like, really hot shit. So the fact that he can go in the AHL and get top six minutes and actually play on a nightly basis will be amazing for him. But, uh, yeah, Timashov, it's, uh, it's good for him because he's been cut, like, three years in a row, the last group of guys. So it's awesome that he's on the opening night roster.
1: Are there any surprises with opening night roster?
2: I told you just before we went on, I thought Kenny Agostino would have uh, made the team out of camp. I thought he was solid with New Jersey in the second half. I thought he'd be in that left wing fourth line spot other than that it's it's pretty straightforward i'm not gonna lie to you i'm pretty
1: excited to see rasmus sandin play tomorrow night i think this guy i don't know how he went so late but i know dubis when we were drafting we even traded down just to get sandin we were confident and man i don't know what it is but i used to think that lilgren was the better of the two but no man there's no way I watched Sandin play and Lilgren in the same preseason game. it's Sandin's just the way better. Po- he's just more effective on both ends of the ice. Lilgren is the guy that'll just... He's like a Barry. He'll just be the power play guy. And then there's Sandin, who he's kind of like... I'm not going to say he's a Riley, but he his game is looking like he could be towards a Morgan Riley. So
2: I'm excited for Sandin tomorrow night. Is he just the... I mean, it's obviously awesome to see his first-round pick in just one year, and he's on the team. But is this just a placeholder until Dermot comes back? I want to say no. I actually think Sandine can make the
1: team, and I think he can make it for the full eighty-two. A lot of people are saying don't waste his entry level. I don't see why he can't make the team. I think he's better than CeCe already. I think he's <laughs> better. I think he's better than. Justin Hall, I think he's better than Ben Harper. Like, he's better than all these guys that are scratching to make it. So, the only guy that I could see maybe taking his spot is a Marinson
2: or like a Borgman. They actually They have him on the third with Marinson. And like other NHL fans will look at that and be like, oh, just take Marinson out. But what they don't realize <laughs> is that Babcock fucking loves <laughs> Marincin. Martin Marinson. He does. He does, yeah.
1: I will say though, he has improved. I've seen him. He's he's gotten a little more mature and a little more uh, what's the word? Like he has a little more IQ in his own in his own zone now cuz I've been watching him like okay this guy's kind of starting to do the right plays cuz I remember when we first had Zaitsev the first year he had a pretty good year but you look at him in our zone and he was a he was a flat out disaster Zaitsev and even last year flat out disaster so that's why we got rid of him you have CC now who I don't think it's a big upgrade from Zaitsev, if any, and he's getting paid what two mil more, wow. a, a mil more I think than Zaitsev,
2: in, or I think he's at four and a half. They're, they're at yeah. the same one-year
1: deal. I don't, I don't understand it, but um, <laughs> you, you, you got rid of the long-term deal in Zaitsev, so that was, I guess, a miracle. But do you guys see Justin Hull playing? Because there's some hype around him.
2: <laughs> I'm sure he will. He's the seventh. two goals in two games. Yeah. He's the seventh D right now, and. In- He's right-handed, so he's the fucking greatest thing ever created. So, I'm sure he'll get in there at some point. But we also know that Babs loves him, and the two games that he played, he played like 20 minutes. Oh so God. God. <laughs> Here's a predi- here is something I want to ask you guys.
1: So we know Dermot's out till around November. Does Marinson play more games in Lilgren?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they have Lilgren made it, but it was kind of like, a, okay, you're here for now. Let's just kind of see how things go, and then you know, soak it all in and then back down to the AHL.
1: Would you be surprised if they actually sent Hole down and kept Lilgren up?
2: Yeah, I really would be. I think it's more beneficial for both parties if Lilgren's actually getting a good chunk of games and, yeah, and playing in the AHL. And now that Sandin, will say, isn't there, he'll get more of the load. So there'll be more as top of the building and eat popcorn and watch for two hours. That's just me, though. What do you do with Lilgren, though? Because now Sandin... Took a spot, really,
0: on the depth chart. I don't think a lot of teams would want uh, Logren over Sandine if it was a trade. So no. you're stuck with him, I guess. But like, where do you slot him in? If this doesn't work out, how are you going to repackage this?
1: It's also like it, it, it's kind of weird because they got Tyson Berry from the Kadri trade. And then, like, okay, Berry's a free agent too. But I'm pretty sure the Leafs are going to try and sign him. And then that's kinda like where is Lilgren go in the lineup after that. Cause Lilgren is literally supposed to be playing the role of Tyson Barry. So you have Berry, Riley, Muzzin, Cece right there. That's the top four. I don't see that change. Well, Cece's probably gonna walk next year. I wanna I wanna hope that he's not on the team. So maybe Lilgren plays next year with uh with Muzzin. Or you have Sandine take more of an offensive approach next year. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't know if uh I don't know if a lot of teams uh, are kicking the door for Lilgren right now.
2: I think that's a good thing. It is. I'd want to hold on to him, let him see what he can do in the AHL for a full year. Uh, he's finally back to good health because even last year he was he was still rocked from the summer before. But um, how, how old is he now? He just turned 20? 20. Uh, 21, I want to say. So like, these are good problems to have. You can have Tyson Berry and Morgan Riley and then you can have force forces way in and then come up with a solution then but for now having top minutes in the ahl for me that's exactly where i pictured Lilgren this year
1: yeah uh another thing i want to talk about quick like relating back to the sandy Lilgren. do you think this there's a similar problem in philly because they have a lot of d a lot like you have sandheim you have philip myers who's now healthy and is gonna play you have Hag, you have moran you have Provorov, and the ghost so you have six Young promising D. If you're starting
2: a team, you need three. Who you taking? Provorov, yep. Ghost. Yeah, we'll see, but Provorov, sanheim, sanheim. Yeah, and uh, oh. maybe Ghost just because he's the biggest name there. I would take haig yeah, You're a you're yeah, an old you're school a like yeah, I like yeah. that truculence because you need
0: if you have too many guys like puck movers, like. Ghost isn't throwing his body around. No, not at all. He's That's gonna get a lot of assists. I think Provorov could be more of a complete guy, but Sanheim—he is—he has a lot of potential. That's why I would take him over Ghost. I think in Moran. That,
1: my opinion, I—I I think Moran is a scrub. I don't think he's that
0: good. Yeah, I, I wouldn't take
2: him. I don't okay, know. For me, goals. it's it's Provorov, and then like I don't care after that because Provorov's like the fucking clear standout there, and that it probably takes Sanheim second. Yeah. I don't. I don't even know what to say about Provorov. Don't look at his fucking thirty points last year and think you know that how the next fifteen years are going to go. No, I'm saying. I'm
1: saying he's great, but like,
2: I think Sandheim is
1: right there with Provorov. I think he's right there with him. He's proven it last year, and I don't know. Provorov is going to be more of a leader. He's obviously going to play t- what twenty five a night. Yeah. So he's the most important player on the team. But Provorov, to me. Uh, i don't know what his role is i don't know what it's gonna be is he gonna take a jump like morgan riley did go from 30 to 70 no but is he gonna go from 30 to 55 it's a possibility i have no idea but sandheim to me could get 45 every year consistently because he had 39 in like 73
2: so with like zero special unit time so
1: (laughs) there it is that's that's our spiel on d and uh Hopefully the Leafs kill the sense tomorrow night because oh, they will. Because their starting night lineup looks
0: laughable. I'm sorry. Should never count anyone out though. Do we see a captain revealed when they do the player introductions?
1: Ah, uh, this is where we're transitioning <laughs> into. I will say yes. They're going to name a captain, and he's from Toronto, Ontario. John Tavares oh. is going to be your captain. I'm, I'm sorry. Will,
2: uh, I'll say no. They just troll everyone. <laughs> just roll with the three A's. Uh-oh. If they must name one, though. <laughs> course, I'll tell Korshkov. Morgan who, Riley. I'll tell you who it won't be, and it won't be that American centerman. No, no. And it's it w- not going to be the kid from Toronto. Morgan It's going to be Morgan. I
1: hope it's Morgan be Riley. Cool,
2: yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see that. Do I think it's. I, I think it's still lost. Yeah, I think they're
1: going to troll everyone, be like, yeah, you know that that boxer thing. You know yeah. the news. That was just whatever. And <laughs> also
0: like off did cocaine, and yeah, it was cares. fine. Like, it's okay. Like, don't worry. You're a kid. You make mistakes. <laughs> you here's pulled your scene. pants Things down. Happen. It's all <laughs> <He's> good. Like, <laughs> I pulled my pants down this morning. We all do it's it. like, how old is he? Oh, 20. Eh, it's all good. Don't worry. If he was 35, okay, then we'd have some problems. But whatever. Water under the bridge. See, here's
1: the thing. If he's the captain, I'm not worried of him leaving. If he's not the captain, I'm a little worried. I'm just a little worried. There's always going to be that speculation because... Oh, well, what if Matthews was captain? Then he would have stayed. Oh, he's not from here, so. It's like, I still think, you know what they're going to do? They're going to announce the team. Uh, then they're going to go from Toronto, Ontario, your captain, John Tavares. Oh, they'll have them the all team. at center, and then
0: when their players are all announced, there's your captain, and whoever takes off their jersey, then they're revealing a C on it. Oh, then the that just reveal. becomes an
1: entertainment spectacle. <laughs> that's they, what they're that. leaning that. towards.
0: That they love that. The stuff. Toronto media already
1: does that. <laughs> they always it's a do circus. It. That's why I
0: think they're going to do that. This guy <laughs> always
1: does this here, huh? <laughs> 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 you say that's my fault.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this, guy
1: here, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> this guy's an idiot. It's always this guy over here. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know who it is, but it, it has to be between those three. There's really no be, one else.
2: Yeah. I think Matt's going to go to Marner for sure. No, between those three, like, it, they could. I, I really don't care. Like, they're all cover. great players. They're all yeah. here.
1: I feel like, though, it's going to get backlash if Tavares is captain. I don't know why. I, I just way, feel like backlash. I feel like like people are going to lose it if Tavares is captain. I don't know why. That makes no sense to me. He's the old. He's from here. He wanted to come here. So I think Tavares being the captain is a layup. But same with Riley. I think that's a layup, too. He got drafted in the system. Fifth overall in one of the worst drafts. Thank God we have him. Worst in, first
0: rounds, we should say. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but Matthew's is on the cover of the video game. <laughs> and in his shoot, you saw a little C there. Yeah, I don't know.
2: And he's the face of the team, according to Joe Bowen. It wouldn't make sense to me. And then you can have... Uh, You can have Tavares as the A and, like, kind of guide him. Yeah. Because he's been captain for, what, five years, six years in A while, yeah, a while, a while. So it can be, like, captain, kind of co-captain, but Tavares will have the A, and then he can help him through the whole uh, transition of being a captain.
1: Here's also a good note. He was named captain. If Matthews is named captain this year, it would be the same year that him and Tavares are captain, the same age, 22.
2: He got it that early, eh? He did.
1: I like it. I mean, I thought he would get it earlier because of the trend. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there was no one in New York. I thought he was going to get it like the second year. It's like, yeah, here, here's the captain. <laughs> take David. Look around. <laughs> oh, shit, this is it. Okay, here. It's, it's like, it, we're not even going to
0: waste any time. Just here's the C. Wasn't it? Who, who,
1: was, who was the quickest? Wasn't it Taves? Wasn't it yeah, after, think, fr- yeah. after his rookie year? Yeah, here. Uh, here's the C. Was,
2: wasn't it Landis Cog? Oh, yeah, Landis. First it, it was, was Taves, one of the two. Was yeah. I think it was him or Tate. Was it
1: Landis?
0: Conner?
2: Yeah, first Taves
0: was at uh, like 21. And it was.
1: He won the Rookie of yeah. the Year. <laughs> and then they're like, here, take it.
0: 19
2: years old. Man. Yeah,
1: Landis, Conner, you won Rookie of the Year. Yeah, okay,
0: here, take the captaincy.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. <laughs> I guess you have no faith in Duchesne over there. All right, I'll take it. That's just how it worked out. But, yeah, let's uh, let's move to the ring. <laughs> Talk about that shit show.
0: I was a comment. It was, it,
1: was it was entertaining, but it was a shit show for me. Just, let's kick it off, Alino. What
0: do you think of this uh, new stage? Because it looked like Tony Hawk was going to come in and do a few ups and downs on that skateboard thing over there.
2: I like it. I think it's plain as hell, and I love it. That was the first thing I thought, too, so I started laughing. And because I started laughing,
0: I liked it. <laughs> That's enough for me. Where Ross started off... Rey Mysterio comes in. I don't know why. I thought first Jerry Lawler said. I'm (laughs) retiring. Dave. (laughs) Dave. (laughs) Jerry Lawler said, I think we're going to be starting with a universal title match. But Rey Mysterio. Mm. (laughs) And Dominic is shown there. It looks like it's going to be something good. Brock Lesnar's music hits and a scene out of 2003. He just fives Rey Mysterio. And then poor Dominic his initiation into the big league Literally got initiated, yeah. It's like, okay, you want to come in here? You're going to have to take
1: a couple bumps from Brock Lesnar.
2: You know what, though? Seeing Brock come out on the new stage with the fucking pyro with his entrance that was, awesome. was just perfect. Yeah, that like was. Like, something's been missing for a long time, and that's finally it. <laughs> it's like, and okay. I saw Ray come out, and then I'm like, match isn't happening. Yeah. They're going to swerve us. And there it is. Uh, For that exact moment when Brock did that, we're not going to talk about later yet. But for for that exact moment, I was laughing the whole time. I'm like, this is awesome. Just seeing him rip Dominic out of the crowd and just beat the hell out of him and seeing the crowd react. I'm like, this is awesome. This is Lesnar at his finest. I just hate... (laughs) I hate Rey
1: Mysterio with his acting. When Lesnar's music hit and they zoomed in on his face, close your mouth. Shut up. (laughs) You knew this was fucking coming. Come on, man. He's like...
2: You've worked with them for years. Yeah, come on, just
1: fucking get out of the ring. You're smart, Brock. Oh, and then F five, and then he beats the shit out of his son. And then I'm sorry, it's my fault. It's my fault. Like, yeah, you're gonna get another beating for that. Yeah, like wait till tomorrow. Wait till Friday. You're gonna get your ass kicked again. And he's gonna win the title. Yeah, that's that's basically a Brock Lesnar segment to its finest. But yeah, I, I like the pyro. I missed that for sure. It was awesome.
0: And yeah. uh, you know what else happened? We got we found out. Crown Jewel, 5-on-5, Team Hogan versus Team Flair. What do you think about this? Do you want me to tell you how I
2: feel about this? Money grab. Yeah. That's literally it. (laughs) I feel like I've seen this before. Oh, I think I have too. (laughs) Team Hogan versus Team
0: Flair.
1: Wow, nostalgia. Let's bring that to Saudi Arabia. (laughs) We do it every fucking time. Fuck's sakes, I hate that show. I hate Saudi Arabia. I hate it. I don't even want to talk about it. I love that promo. Who the hell's Those on jokes. team what? Who's on team what? Yeah, the the Orton promo yeah. was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Chirping Rollins. You're so far up Hogan's ass. Huh? <laughs> like,
0: okay, okay, Orton. Did what you hear you the crowd Chen, one more match <laughs> for Hogan and Ric Flair? I was dying. Like, like you just saw. see him take the jacket off. Everyone's going crazy on their feet. That's uh, two legends having the crowd in their hand. It's a lost art. Everyone in the back should be taking notes. That's how it's done. Hogan, when he said, oh, I think you want to run at the 24-inch pythons and all the fucking 30-year-olds in the crowd going crazy, that's uh, how you work a crowd to those youngins in NXT. I guess Vince wants to try and top off the fucking disaster with Goldberg
1: <laughs> and Undertaker. So if you want Flair and Nate, go at it. You could can, can probably top Goldberg and Taker. If that match thought, sucked.
2: That was awful. If you thought that one was bad, Hogan and Flair... Would be the icing on the cake. It would. It would. It gets to hook the crowd. It's awesome when they come back and do all that. But fucking don't ever put your tights back on ever again. That's it. <laughs> Who do you want to see on like their teams? Because I have one uh,
0: thing that would be interesting. On Hogan's team, you put the Undertaker. And on Ric Flair's team, his buddy Sting and WCW, they got the pass that Flair passed the torch to Sting. Hogan passed it to Undertaker. They lead the teams, represent them. They don't have to have a one-on-one match. Have a little spot or two. What would you think of legends being included on the team? <laughs> uh, I don't
1: like it at all, but if it has to be done, it would be there at Crown Jewel. So uh, you already have a legend in Orton there. And Orton being with Ric Flair, I think, is the perfect like passing the torch. I don't think you need Sting there. I think Orton's the guy for that. And I don't want to see Undertaker anymore, but I know that we're going to see him, so I'm just going to accept the fact that he's going to be in this probably, in this tag match and probably get the pinfall,
2: so good for this fucking 5-on-5 match. I think for this exact event, I will expect anything. So Just please don't put Goldberg in this damn match, please was, God. I was just going to say, see if that. Goldberg comes out with Taker and Sting and all those fucks, I'd say, yeah, this this would be the one time a year to do this, but what I really want to see is Randy Orton RKOing Hulk Hogan on a car backstage. <laughs> and that would just make everything come full circle. And I'm good with that. Yeah, I hope Orton wins this match for his team, and then
0: RKO's Ric Flair and Hogan, <laughs> and then that's it. And the segment will give him a push after that, uh, whatever Brandy's on. But I just hope Seth Rollins doesn't win this and turn into a cringy celebration with Hogan. They're both doing the pose. I don't want to see that. I saw that
2: on stage. Yeah. Who he with? Him and uh, the guy on the other side doing the Hogan pose. Oh, yeah, Jimmy Hart. Or no, it was... It was another wrestler. Was it Rusev? Oh, yeah, it was Rusev. (laughs) New American citizen. Just standing there, I'm like, this is a random trio. (laughs) So
1: now it makes sense. But yeah, we'll talk about that later
2: on in the night. Um,
1: What else was there? Oh, Lacey Evans and Natalya. Great match.
2: (laughs) Pinello. Out of 10, that was... Uh, Not more than four, but... (laughs) I see them and I'm like... I don't want to see Maddie anymore. We kind of know what we're expecting, <laughs> but I see them and I, I go into like coach mode. I'm like, okay, you guys got this. That's better than last week. Come on. And then it's worse. And <laughs> then I'm watching. And I'm like, fuck, man. Like <laughs> they would both be good and like with different people if they tried something new, but they keep coming back with Lacey versus Natalia and it just progressively gets worse. And I don't know what to say with these two together anymore. I think it's time for something new. I think it is, too.
1: <laughs> I think Lacey needs to go down to NXT, and I think Natalia needs to kind of just take a break for a bit.
2: Through the Finn Balor route. Yeah, Takes just three months off.
1: Well, Naomi's doing that right now, so I don't know if she can. It's been a while yeah. since we've seen her. Yeah, I think oh, she said God. she needed a break, and it's been like
0: three months, so... Well,
1: good for Naomi, I guess.
0: I just want to see one of them go to the tag division, maybe build something there, but not looking promising with that botched ending when they said her hand she got the tights she doesn't have any tights but she's got nothing hands right there that was a clean finish you know what
1: i hate the most about this raw they had the oc versus the viking raiders in a pretty good match no build and then you have the old, then you have heavy machinery for some reason have the title shot and lose to rude and ziegler so this whole tag division is shot for me right now. I I hope when, you know, this was the premiere, I hope maybe in a month or two, they just completely revamped the tag division again. Maybe have the Undisputed Era come up. It's up because, man, like this tag division is just not cutting it for me at all. Why are the OC and the Viking Raiders having consistent matches on Raw, but it's for dick all? It's for nothing. I don't understand that. The OC was one of the hottest acts about a month ago. You have a fucking shirt to prove it. I and now... Nothing. So I'm happy for Bobby Roode out of all of the guys that are getting this spot. But again, Bobby Roode is not a tag team wrestler. He was in TNA, beer money, but now he doesn't have that chemistry. I still think he needs a singles fucking title other than the U.S. one that he had a very short reign.
2: I think he needs an intercontinental title. Bobby Roode. Uh, I have mixed opinions on that. Because, like, yeah, the Viking Raiders and OC will obviously be good. It was last week when they did it, when the Viking Raiders got the win. It was like, a, oh, okay, they're not they're not squashing people. They're here to stay. They just beat the OC. So when they did it again this week and the Viking Raiders won again, I was kind of like, what was the point of that? It kinda, you didn't really move forward and you kind of just shit on the OC a little bit more. But uh, for I like heavy machinery. I don't ever think they're going to be, like, 10-time tag champs and run the show and cutting promos and like of that intensity one day but I think they're solid they do their job they can hook the crowd no problem and when you have Dolphin Rude, who I think they've been building some pretty good chemistry the last few weeks they come off very intense and that's really all you need um, the match was solid I thought it was like if you can have a tag team match on a show like that every week consistently I think you're fine yeah yeah Then after that, what did we have? We had another incredible,
0: botched, short match. No storyline going forward. Just Cedric Alexander and AJ for the millionth time. Four minutes. Holy shit, man. (sighs) This
1: match was awful. Why? Okay. If you're going to push a superstar and Cedric Alexander, can you at least push him after? Like, if you're going to push superstar, can you at least have a reaction with the crowd? Because he came out here. It's a fucking title match. And he got no reaction coming out. It's like, goddamn, like now no wonder why this guy's gonna get buried. He has no reaction coming out. And this is a title match. Yes, it's AJ Styles. He's gonna bring in all that energy and everyone's gonna cheer for him or boo him. But Cedric literally had no reaction. I was watching him like, this is is the premier of Raw. This is a US title match. And he's gonna come out and have no reaction. So I was not surprised with the outcome at all. I was with Collab last night. He's like, oh, I think Cedric's winning this. I just looked at him, I'm like, no, he's not. He's not winning this. He's like, why not? I'm like, because it's Raw, it's AJ Styles, and he just fucking made everyone go crazy, and Cedric comes out and you can hear a pin drop. I don't care what your moveset is. If you don't have a reaction, you don't deserve anything from me. It made sense, and I guess Cedric has been officially buried for me.
2: The build has been very weird with him because they did this stuff with Drew, for the three weeks to a month which yeah. was awesome at the time because I'm like oh, okay this guy's not being used and they put him up against drew and it's good and he stuff. went over yeah and he went over and then the next month was kind of he wasn't on tv and then the king of the ring tournament came around and oh he's back on oh he's gonna win it and then what <laughs> was the first or second round he was out and then um mm-hmm. first yeah. round mm mm-hmm. Now he's back with this stuff with Styles. I'm like, it started off well, and then it went down a fucking cliff, and then you tried to get back up, and then right back down again. It's kind of weird. I I don't know what they're trying to do with him. There's just certain guys you don't push against super certain superstars, and AJ is one of them.
1: You can't push a new guy against AJ unless AJ is willing to be like, yeah, okay, I'll take the pinfall. But I, you gotta you gotta understand from AJ's point of view. He's going backstage, probably talking with Vince, being like. Listen, if I'm gonna put Cedric over, I want this guy to at least have like a standing, like a really nice ovation when he comes out. This guy's gonna come out, have no reaction, and I'm gonna lose to this guy. And I was carrying SmackDown for literally three years. It just looks off. So I'm really happy that they went this route. Uh, I know that Cedric, you know, coming from 205, it's kind of hard. You know, you have guys like Buddy Murphy, Ali getting way more ovation. People care way more about those characters than Cedric. Cedric has really tried. I like that. But at the end of the day, if you're not going to have a reaction, you don't deserve a belt. And so I hope like he gets a character. I know that's been a trend where you have cruiserweights coming up and they literally don't have a character. That's why the show is done completely because there was no character development. I hope that Triple H now in NXT can kind of make some sort of character with Tony Nese and you could have... Or not Tony Nese of uh, Drew Gulak and you could start some special stuff there. But for now... Cedric, to me, has to be put on the back burner. And it's crazy to think that because he just beat Drew McIntyre in a program. It's shit to say, but it does happen. So it was a botch fest, but I'm happy that that feud is kind of... I hope it's done. Yeah, I really hope it is.
0: There's also another short match, Ricochet-Cesaro.
1: That match took me... It kind of took me off guard because Ricochet has been... One of the top guys, and then all of a sudden you come out here. Even Cesaro, he's been featured every single week, and why shouldn't they? They're one of the best. But yeah, this was a short match. Just felt off. Um, I really hope this is not a program for the future. I mean, I hope it is, but you need to have some storyline. There's really been nothing for Ricochet ever since the AJ feud. I'm starting to see a trend with AJ Styles. He's beating all these guys, and then these guys are literally going nowhere after that. Ricochet and Cedric, nowhere. So... Whoever steps up next against AJ, whether that be The Miz, whether that be someone else, I hope uh, I hope something ends up happening. But I think it might be The Miz. If you
2: think about it, who would you? Who would be the next guy to face AJ Styles? Someone who's similar to Cedric and Ricochet. Because you said there's a theme going on there, so... Apollo Crews.
1: <laughs> no,
2: come on. I think AJ ends up being drafted
0: to the SmackDown, Shinsuke to Raw. And that's how they... Whoever's there, they... Go after each belt. I feel like you shouldn't
1: separate the club.
2: Don't separate the club. (laughs) Fucking, it worked so well last time. (laughs) They did it three years ago or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. uh, But, yeah, the Ricochet
1: Cesaro was a head scratcher for me. It's like these two guys are the best wrestlers. One of the best wrestlers in WWE, and you put them in a five-minute match. I guess that's just timing, what they had to
2: do with Flair and Hogan and with Brock, I guess. Started a, what, It started through a backstage segment. Yeah. I hate when they do weird. that. It's yeah. over nothing.
0: Like, oh, you were talking about Rey Mysterio and his kid. How about I take you on in the ring? Like, okay, what the hell do you have to do with <laughs> Rey Mysterio?
2: <laughs> Go back in line. It was Yeah, it was really thrown together last second. And I think when they first changed Cesaro's team, they put him up against Ricochet as he uh, was coming up from NXT. And we're like, this is awesome. These two together. And then they did it like another three weeks in a row. And we're like, okay, start saving it now. Like they can work magic and all that, but you don't want to show this on free TV every week. And yeah, this one was a head scratcher. Five minutes, they got no time. It was kind of sloppy and no time at all. Yeah, but maybe forget about this one. Yeah, because also before the main event,
0: when we found out Rusev was going to challenge Seth Rollins after Ray got taken out, I guess there was a limo that came out backstage. And I looked at Twitter. Everybody thought it was CM Punk. They were convinced <laughs> it was CM Punk. That, oh my God, it's 10.40 p.m. Who would come out at this hour? It has to be CM Punk. Or John Morrison, but I don't know. A lot of people more CM Punk. This match happens. Okay, I guess. Both guys getting in their stuff. Rusev, it, I don't know what they were doing with him. He saved Rollins, gets his match. All of a sudden... Bobby Lashley's music hits Orton and Varen Corbin are just standing on the stage Lost out of their mind Don't know what the hell's going on He's pointing towards the ramp Nothing's happening Rusev stares Lana's music hits And Lashley just looks like he is just having the best time of his life He is so happy to see this I've never seen this guy smile like that ever When Leo Rush was with him Mad Lana comes out smiling There's something going on and she just forgets she's married, and they go at it. I guess it's the best way to put it. What do you think about Rusev watching his wife, his bride, get it on <laughs> with Bobby Lashley?
2: We're not, clo- uh, I guess we're closing the pod with this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it's it's nice to see Bobby Lashley after a while. <laughs> this is so weird because they did it with Dolph a few years ago and I've never seen something fall so flat in my life just throw in summer rain that's a perfect fucking segment but like I I don't I don't know where they think this is gonna go it failed miserably last time to have Lana with Bobby Lashley of all people who I don't want to be I don't want to be mean but he doesn't have much of a character he's there's crickets when he comes out I don't if they think this is going to help them, because Lana always gets a huge reaction, but um, it's it's weird when people disappear for so long, and then they come back, and then they're, they're closing Raw, and then they throw all this weird shit at you and just expect you to go with it. Well, it, it's just a big mess, and I'm I'm not here for it. Me either. I don't know. All I'm
1: going to say is it was a clusterfuck. It was. You saw Rusev come back, who, again, every time you see him, he looks better and better and better. Like, this segment, like, this match, first of all, was fucking awful. I did not like this match at all when it was going on, because you know the fucking result. Seth is retaining, obviously. Because they kept building up, like, oh, uh, it doesn't matter. It's going to be Seth versus the Fiend, regardless if there's a title or not. It's like, okay, shut the fuck up. There's a title for it. Rusev's not winning it. And then you, th- when this is the first match I think I've seen Rusev main events since he had that program with AJ for the belt. So this is like a year in. Five months, and then you have B- Bobby Lashley come out, and then Lana comes out. But like that was an awkward minute where Lashley's literally like this. Yeah, he's probably panicking. Like yeah, he, he looked like four times. I'm like, hey, it, it's either John Morrison, like they're starting something, and then it's Lana who comes out, and they start making out for a really uncomfortable amount of time. I'm sitting. Awesome. I'm watching it. I'm just like. This has been like two minutes now just watching it. And this I'm just and Rusev is just standing in the ring not doing anything. Just So like it Seth's involvement was weird. Um The theme coming out at the end. I like the way it ended, how it's just his laugh ended raw. It's like, okay, yeah. that's awesome. But other than that, clusterfuck for the you know main what? event. For the number one for the premier raw, clusterfuck. That's all I'm gonna remember is a clusterfuck to end the show.
0: They should have had The Fiend do it to Rusev instead of Seth because it would have shown the audience, okay, this night is just even worse now for Rusev. But he was just standing in the ring again, just watching everything go on. Like, what the fuck? As soon as I heard The
1: Fiend, I thought for sure they was going he was going to attack Rusev. Yeah, but then he I'm like, okay, Seth. Rusev's the baby face now. Here it is, the sympathy, perfect. And he attacks Seth Rollins. And I'm like... All right, that's cool. I mean, you get to see The Fiend choke out Seth to close out the show before Hell in the Cell. But, yeah, Rusev kind of being in the ring while this all happening. And then his girlfriend, is a girl, his wife, making out with... And then Orton and
2: Corbett. Like, I think that was my favorite part. Orton and Corbett yeah. just laughing like they're two grade 12 kids. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> look at
1: look, 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 laughing. What
2: this segment just told me,
0: though, then this whole show. Attitude Air is coming back, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brian (laughs) and matches are coming back. It just told me that Raw is clearly not the A-show anymore SmackDown is. They just built SmackDown, that The Rock is going to come back, Brock Lesnar and Kofi. Everything's happening on Friday. They just told me as a person viewing this, okay, I can watch the pyro and all this stupid stuff on Raw, but the A-show is going to be on Friday.
1: That's literally, yeah, that's literally what they said. Did
2: you ever think we'd be there where SmackDown would become the A-show? I've been a SmackDown guy my whole life. I'm waiting for this
1: fucking moment.
2: Like, there are always people that are like, oh, I love SmackDown more than Raw because of this and this, but now the actual company is telling you SmackDown is the show. I never thought we would be there. That's just me. It's refreshing, too, because you see like Raw, maybe this is something they need, like a few
0: years where it's not the main focal point. Then after a while, then they start putting it back, and like, okay, Monday Night Raw again, but it's good to see SmackDown. Is
1: down three hours now? I think that's
0: the plan, but right now it's two. All right. I like two (laughs) hours, though, but this week, I don't know how they're going to... Get through two hours when you see everything. Yet, yeah, I don't know how the rock segment either. is gonna be. Unless he's not gonna be out for five minutes. The amount of money they're probably paying him to be there. I don't think it'll be a five-minute segment. For the final no. half an hour. Yeah, like <laughs> I would devote a lot of time to that. I think uh, Goldberg's gonna be there. Uh, so you know, if someone's getting speared, maybe Dolph and Bobby Roode. Because what a way to build up your young, promising talent. Or <laughs> champs. Uh, a lot of old guys coming back, but what are you expecting on Friday Night SmackDown? I'm expecting Brock Lesnar to
1: win the WWE title. That is literally it. That's all I'm expecting.
2: And The Rock for some one-liners. But yeah, I think similar to the Raw reunion show, but how they wanted that to play out. Do you think the Brock match is going to
1: be like a long one? I don't see it being long at all. Do you think the just based off of what they did last night with Brock Lesnar and like Heyman's backstage segment? I just feel
2: like it's 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 going to be like a five minute match, man. It's not going to be long. I think similar to the matches he's put on with the other smaller guys, because Brock really likes working those matches. So Kofi will go on like a rush of offense, and then then you'll see Brock kill him at some point. But I think it should be fun those two together. It's new. Would you be opposed if the Rock helped
0: Kofi win and at least the Rock versus Brock too? down the road i was
1: thinking that i would have the new day come out and help kofi win and like you don't signal a heel turn but you actually have fans feel sorry for brock mm-hmm. kind of like i feel like if i'm doing the show i'm having kofi come out and i'm gonna have brock just fucking kill him for like the first two minutes and then i would have the new day come out let's say let's say uh brock German suplexes Kofi and he hits the ref. I'd have the New Day come out and I would just have them beat the fuck out of Brock Lesnar and I would just, yeah, I would double have turn. I would have Kofi. I'd have not even a double turn. I would just have Kofi win. Just well, yeah, it is a double turn, but it's just one of those
0: moments where it's like you need Biggie
1: and Xavier Woods to beat
2: Brock Lesnar. Okay, and that they'll do everything they can to keep the title with the New Day.
0: Yeah. There it is. I like it.
2: Do you think that's enough, though, to get people to cheer Brock?
0: I don't think. Against Kofi, like, against Seth Rollins, I thought that was a perfect moment at SummerSlam. Everybody was on board with Brock, especially in my section. Oh, my God, yeah. Remember
1: NXT? Seth Rollins' face came up? Yeah. Oh, my God. all
0: right. right. There were people drunk in my section, jumping up and down when Brock came out. And I thought, okay, someone's going to fall down these stairs. <laughs> Something's going to happen. And he lost afraid. too, Brock. We yeah. went. I was like, what the I, fuck? I thought there was going to be a heel turn. That was a moment to do the double turn. But against Kofi, I think it might be a little harder. It will be harder. So that's so why so I could see them doing it because
1: they just... It's like, oh, yeah, we'll take a hat. Yeah. All right, Kofi, you're turning heel now.
0: So well, strange things have happened this week. We did see Bobby Lashley and Lana, and I love trying. Yeah, but think about it. Is it really that far-fetched to see the New Day...
1: Like, be it's heels possible. They've been heels before, and they've done it tremendously. Started off as heels. Yeah. But so
0: Ray Mysterio getting beat up, and Dominic getting beat up.
1: I, oh, I, just, I don't see Brock coming in Friday yeah. and losing. That's There's so just no the way, way it's happening. He's winning. He's going to win in convincing fashion, and that's a spoiler. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our podcast for today. Thanks, guys, for watching. Next week is episode 50, and next week we will discuss the Leafs games and probably... The Fiend becoming the new champ. Stay tuned, boys.